When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know, we're your partners in wine, crime, and time because we're with you for the next hour talking about some crazy stuff. Yes. Also, um, I had a couple of you guys reach out telling me to get well after COVID, which was so sweet. So thank you. And someone, one of the fans recommended this wild concoction. She was like... Uh it sounds It's Joe gross. Rogan. He's like, wait, yes. Sarah, big fan. Did you try horse tranquilizers? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'll take them at this point. Um, <laughs> but no, she was like, well, if you lost your taste and smell, like she's like, you make garlic tea and you put in ginger and like one other thing. And she was like, it's oh. disgusting, but it works. And I was like, what is garlic tea? And she said, you just boil garlic in water. And I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds like a time. But well, I've heard. <laughs> Did it? Did you try it? Oh no, because I, I'd already gotten my smell and taste back by that point. Oh, but I was gonna say sometimes if you're like having a sore throat or you feel an itch coming, like chewing raw garlic does help you out a little bit. <laughs> really? I don't know. I, yeah, I also love <laughs> garlic in any form, so that might Same. just be my yeah. So <laughs> I do. <laughs> I love that you're just like chewing on garlic like it's an Altoid or something. I'm like, but like my my medicine is like, wait, Sarah, you lost your taste and smell. You should get garlic cheesy bread from Domino's. It'll. I mean, help. that's what <laughs> I would do. <laughs> There's no tea involved, but I mean, you will that sweat. You'll sweat is it out. Amazing. Also, everybody, on another note, we are doing another live show. Woo! Yeah. We will be talking about it until it sells out. So just buy your tickets Facts. if you want us to cut right to the And posting right about it. So yes. if you want us to stop spamming, just just buy your ticket already. But it's at June 5th, which is a Sunday, in Union Hall in Brooklyn. We performed there two years ago at this point, which God, is crazy. Literally. But it was a great time. It was so much fun. Yeah, we hope to see you guys there. It's at 5 p.m., I want to say. So, like, get brunch yes. before and come or wake up at 3 and just come over. You know, <laughs> it's a perfect Sunday ritual. And then also, it's like you have the rest of your day. That is a great time, honestly. Just do brunch and then and then come to the show. You'll be oh. nice and, and loose and hopefully not belligerent. Yes. I mean, you can be, <laughs> you can be belligerent in a fun way. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so get your tickets, betches.co slash N-A-T-C live. And Woo. we'll see you there. Yay. Oh, my God. Exciting. See there. So I guess without further ado, we can get into today's case. Yes. It is one that I feel a lot of people have reached out about because it was like popping up in the news a lot and there was a documentary about it. So we we had to go for it. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the murders at Starved Rock, which 
honestly sounds like a fictional movie title, but I'm into it. <clears throat> oh, right. Well, because even at the kickoff of the documentary, when he was like, they were talking the history about starved Rocco. It's like, uh, there were soldiers there and they surrounded them and they couldn't leave. So then they starved. And the guy was like, isn't that a myth? And then the person I think was like, isn't everything a myth? And I'm like, what am I? I was like, am I watching <laughs> and like, Succession? Okay, but <laughs> I'm like, what is? I'm like, what is the plot here? But then they got to it. <laughs> is it everything a myth? I'm like, what is, what is happening? Like, uh, sort of, but also like, is this one like wh- is, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. So it's a docu series. It's on HBO slash HBO Max. They're the same to me because I don't have a television. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought it was a pretty good watch. I uh, it was very interesting. Um, definitely some quirks, which I feel like we could we could talk about at the end, or we could talk oh, about yeah. it now. We'll give everyone the synopsis in case they don't know, and then we can quirk it up at the end. Okay, I love that. Because honestly, the thing is with like this case, even the documentary, it is kind of. I mean, the trial crime case part of it gets open and shut pretty fast, and the documentary, well, we could just it's kind of the more open endedness of where the director goes after. Totally, totally. So it happened, not that the documentary is based on, but it's surrounded, I don't even know how to say this, migraine brain. Yes, last week no, it was COVID fair. brain, then it's migraine brain. Shout out to any person with, like me and Sarah, dealing with the worst allergy season. I want to oh, say my God. in recent history, I have not had an allergy attack like this since I, like literally 2014, like I don't know, it's in full swing. Yeah, crazy. But so- at the center of this documentary is these real murders um, at a place called Starved Rock State Park, which is in LaSalle County, Illinois. So here's what happened with these murders. In March of 1960, three women named Frances Murphy, Mildred Linquist, and Lillian Oting. How was mm-hmm. that? Oting. Nailed it. So these three women went on a four-day trip together to Starved Rock State Park All was well, but on March 14th, they checked into their room at the Starved Rock Lodge, laid down their luggage there before deciding to go on an afternoon hike through St. Louis Canyon. I already don't like the sound of this. I'm like, it's a hike. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan Murphy, the comedian, has a has a bit where she's like on all the crime docs. She's like, I have gone on zero jogs, people. If someone says in a crime doc that I was out jogging, they kidnapped me. And I think that is, <laughs> I definitely relate to that. That's me with the hike. Like my sister lives in Boulder and is always like, oh, come visit. We'll go on a hike. And I'm like, oh. The weirdest <laughs> thing. It's more about I, the laziness than not wanting to get murdered. But you know. I hate jogging, but I love a hike. Because you can like look at like, you can hear birds. I don't know why. That's true. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess because hikes are leisurely, but. In my head, they're like shadily really tough. Depends on who puts you on the hike. Because there's yeah. some people like, oh, it's a cute little walk around a park. And I'm like, why am I like bouldering? I'm yeah, like, why <laughs> exactly. I, why, why am I, why do I have vertigo out? Yeah. Exactly. I've gone on a hike where everyone's like, oh yeah, this should be a pretty doable hike. And I'm like, cool. I work out, but I am out of breath and I don't <laughs> like this. And all of you guys are no. fine. Like, what? Uh, but in any case, they go on their afternoon hike. Um... And then they go missing, but they, it wasn't even until two days later that anyone realized that they were missing because Francis's husband called the lodge on March 16th and asked about his wife because he said she should have called by then. And then. And also this was like, cause uh, now I feel like it's like the Abercrombie and Fitch doc, which like maybe we can cover later when they're trying uh to explain a mall 
this was I was like, oh yeah, because it's oh not my like God. so fucking you're like funny. I was like two days later, but of course, like it's the sixties. You're not like texting someone, hey, got to the hotel. It's like phones aren't you like that's a normal duration of time. Cause that was my first th- maybe I'm just really dumb. I was like, two days? You're waiting for your wife to call. But I was like, it's a trip. They don't have like phones. Oh yeah. I guess that. my thought was like, two days isn't that long, because I feel like we've definitely covered cases where People oh. have gone missing for a long time, but hundred um, percent. Yeah, I'm just uh, codependent when I travel. <laughs> no, it's so funny. So it was at this time that they found out all their luggage had been left untouched in the room, and they also realized a snowstorm had covered the car in snow, meaning they didn't drive anywhere. Also, not a good time to take a hike. I'm just saying. No. Well, that's what I was confused because it said it snowed in the dock, and I was like, I was trying to Google like the weather of that, and the yes. Chicago Tribune did not really lace it. But then I was like, okay. I mean, I get there. It's it snowed in Pasadena. Interesting. <laughs> so police organized a search of the park, and they found the women's bodies bound with twine and partially disrobed inside a cave in the canyon. And all the women suffered severe head trauma from a tree limb that was found nearby that they determined to be the murder weapon. Yeah. And so it was a very intense, graphic way all these women were found. And kind of almost immediately then that gave a lot of attention to the case and police were really looking for answers. And they immediately turned to the Star of Rock Lodge as a source of possible suspects, mainly because these three women weren't locals to the area. So that was the only connection they had there before their murders, where it's like, okay, they were staying at this lodge People saw them drop off their bags and then leaving on, like, just going on a hike in a new-ish. Right, because, like, who else is, I mean, unless w- the killer could have just happened upon them, but it's also, like, who yeah. would really know that they had left to go on this hike. Exactly. So the spouses of the victims put up a reward for uh, 30000 for information for the crime, which is almost, like, 300 k today. Because wow. they were all uh, wealthy. And, I mean, of course, you you need answers. You want answers. Many, many people were interviewed by the police, uh, but one employee stood out from the rest, like from like the first second they met him, uh, Chester Weger, uh, who worked as a dishwasher at the kitchen of the lodge. Uh, multiple employees, this is kind of also, so like they had him ID'd and a background of him. I know his sister said in the documentary too, like they were kind of like a, a lower class family who all kind mm-hmm. of worked with this family who was at the lodge, everything like that. Uh, multiple employees said that he came to work the day after the attack with scratches on his face. Hmm. We'll get into what he said about that later. And also, the type of twine that the victims were bound in was found in the kitchen of the lodge, which was potentially incriminating. I yeah. personally don't know how many different types of twine exist. <laughs> that, but <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> when they were like, the kitchen uses this twine, I was like, I mean, I have not been to a Home Depot and who knows when, but I did not know <laughs> there was that much variety in a time. That's so true. Oh, man. Like, but they kind of, I mean, also, I mean, we can touch on this later. This was, this crime uh, was committed in a very political time for everybody with re-elections and trying to get some, like, mm-hmm. uh, crimes and everything like that. So That's people, crazy how, that just how kind of, political, like, solving crime can oh. be. Like, when we talked about the Betsy Faria murder... Um, and like how, you know, the DA was pushing and all these things. And like when they kind of shit the bed, everybody involved with that case, like didn't get reelected. Right. It is insane. It's kind of like people are like, uh, cause the guy was even saying, he's like, you either, 
get, catch them really fast and people are like, oh, you're just looking for an answer. Or you don't catch, you catch them too slow. You know? And then so people are just trying to like have a public persona, the public yeah. <clears throat> believe you and trust you. But then in so doing yeah. that, are you doing things that are not trustful? Right. Mm. But I feel like that's why public pressure can be so like important to move yeah. cases along at the same oh, time. Oh, 1,000% because otherwise they just sit cold. Yeah. Uh, so he was questioned for like weeks on ends. Uh, he took a few, he took like three lie detector tests, I want to say, and passed. And they kept trying to like peg him to past crimes like uh, rape at a park uh, where also Twine was involved and the girl identified him. People have said that this was like set up. And I think he even, in the documentary, Chester even said this was when he found a girl who was assaulted and like walked her home and then mm. like something like that. And yeah, so he did ultimately. I feel ultimately, like those so they were IDs kind of really, can be so like, so suspect though. Right. Well, then also because there was one time they had him do the uh, lineup and it was like him and he was 22 years old at the time and like five 50 year old men. And it's sort of like, okay, well, that is- <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like also yeah. the police will be like, wink, wink, like, you know. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And so he ultimately ended up failing a lie detector test in September. So they were able to catch him on that. And then eight months later, or, yeah, he confessed to being guilty. But that's so- crazy because that's after months. And also those aren't admissible in court. Exactly. Yeah, no, uh, like, exactly. I think and if also, the police are calling you into questioning enough times, like you're going to fail a lie detector test, I feel like. Yeah, because it's, it's just like very shoddy. And also we get into there. They were very they were doing a lot of um, less than ideal ways of questioning him, which I mean, is very <laughs> happens a lot in part of the course, unfortunately, but like kind of like breaking him down. Uh, yeah. So the mur- the morning after the confession, they asked him to go down to the site of the murders and reenact how everything had gone down, he did. He claimed that he only planned on robbing them, but as he was leaving, one of the women broke free and started hitting him with a pair of binoculars. So he grabbed a log from the ground and beat her. Right, because you know who carries a lot of money? People on a hike. Huh? Do you know what I mean? Also, all their, yeah, all their purses and everything was in the in the room. Right. Um, and then after that, he went back and ultimately killed the other two women. And this is when everybody's like, how did like this one guy the logistics of that all happening. Like he killed right. one woman then ran over to, yeah. Right. So after the reenactment, he confessed again and signed uh, pages of a written confession. But days later, he recanted the said confession saying it was made under duress. Like he was threatened by the police under the interrogation. Like they were telling him like, if you don't confess, we're going to like have circumstantial evidence and you're going to get the electric chair. They kept on threatening. Oh, right. I think they said, you're going to ride lightning. Like they said that like, six oh, times. Oh, God. Like that. They were really threatening <laughs> Don't make that. it sound fun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ride lightning. Yeah. Oh, it was very intense, very intense. He also said that he didn't talk to a lawyer or an attorney when he signed it because he thought he was saving his life because he was like, okay, either sign this or I get uh, yeah. um, uh death penalty. Mm. So a grand jury uh, had him, like, there was, like, against him for all, uh, returned indictments about, against him for all three murders and the rape, but he was only tried for the murder of Lillian Oding, and the trial began on February 13th, 1961. His defense did try to claim and fight that he, the investigators were relentless in extracting a confession from him, and they kept saying that if he didn't confess, there would be the circumstantial evidence and he would get the death penalty, 
And part of his alibi was that he was alone writing a letter to a woman he was in love with that was not his wife. <laughs> but because, he did this alibi because his friend who testified who he was with lied on the stand, which he, he said that he lied on the stand. Um, because he was getting a he his first alibi was that he was getting a haircut at the time of the murders and the scratches were from shaving, which I do relate to because uh, clean shave is hard to do. And I'm trying <laughs> to get back into that. And that's, it's just there's there's it scratches happening. But was he was he getting a haircut? Well, one of his friends in the the friend wasn't in the documentary, but this girl who worked at a restaurant who passed the friend, because this is all like small town, everyone mm-hmm. is just talking to everybody. Um, Chester was going to use him as his uh, alibi because he was with him, allegedly. But when the guy took the stage, uh, the stage, uh, when the guy took the stand, he said, no, I wasn't. And then told this girl, they told me I had to lie or else they would, like, get me for something. So, like, oh boy, something like that. So that that did not help him. That guy could not help him at all. They also found splatter of blood on Chester's jacket. That still hasn't been proven what type of blood, but they said it was human blood, even though, like, they even later on, people were like, is it animal blood? Is it human blood? Another detail that seemed really unexplainable during the reenactment was that he mentioned that the reason he moved the bodies to the cave was that he saw a red and white plane flying overhead and didn't want the bodies to be spotted in the air, like, from the air. And a lot of people were like, why would that be that when you're in a place where people hike. Like, if you're in a plane, you're not really going to see all that and everything like that. I kind of feel like you wouldn't be able to see bodies from a plane unless you're flying really low. No, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, yeah, but here's the thing. And I mean, this comes all to people kind of thinking that it was more of maybe a forced confession or something like that. Prosecutors were able to find the owner of the plane and confirm that he flew it over the park on March 14th. So how could Chester have known that if he just made up the whole confession? And it's like, was they, did they right. tell him to do that because they knew that plane was there? Or no, 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 no. Or but, I, I mean, know, maybe he did it. Maybe he did it, exactly. Did he see the plane? Dun, 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 dun. So there was a lot. <laughs> Regardless, there was 900 things stacked against him. The results did not take long. And on March 3rd, less than a month after the trial began, the jury gave him a guilty verdict and a life sentence, rejecting the death sentence. There was like one juror who was really against that. So then they just gave him the life sentence. And he was in prison for, I mean, we'll get into all of that. Uh, he started serving his uh, sentence there. But that kind of was just like where the doc started because a lot of people in this town, and now I guess because of this documentary beyond, are split on thinking if he did it or if he was set up or like was it just the easy answer and everything like that. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Thank you. 
So I feel like in this town, this became like almost a lore of like Chester Weger and the murders at Starbrook. And people were really divided over whether he was actually guilty or not. And Weger continued to profess his innocence from behind bars. So cut to this documentary, Murders at Starved Rock. It's directed by Jody McVeigh Schultz. Um, and one of the main people involved is David Reculia. And he's the son of Anthony Reculia, who's now dead. Um, but that sounded harsh. He is now deceased. Um, deceased. But Anthony was the prosecutor who got Chester convicted in 1961. And... David started working on this documentary because he says the case haunted his childhood and he wanted to find the truth of what happened since so many people had doubts of Chester's guilt. Yeah, I, I mean, I, don't, I didn't get the impression that a lot of people had doubts. Like, uh, no, I got I, the impression that it was an unpopular opinion to have doubts. Uh, yeah, I. it was literally him and then a face. There was a, so many people were interviewed from a Facebook page. Yeah, so... Which, I mean, if we ever make a documentary, you best believe I'm only interviewing people from not another true crime group. Oh, but, duh. But <laughs> uh, not, like, it was very... Because I was like, oh, are there going to be, like, journalists and, like, people that are, like, debating the case? And, like, the Chicago Tribune wrote so much and covered so much about this. And that's where, if you want more information, that we have a lot of the information is there. Support your local newspapers. But uh, there was very much not, like, circumstantial evidence that people were using to, like, support their believe right it seems like i don't know i kind of feel like at this point in time like people were happy to just accept the narrative that the da kind of built for them and like i don't think there was this culture of questioning the police or questioning police work and convictions you know i think that is a little bit more i don't know widespread now because of like the popularity of all these true crime cases that got it wrong and mm -hmm. things like that well, that's what they, they were even saying. They were because they were like talking about how like the culture of it all now and like, oh, everything's being over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so David interviewed his father and tons of people from the town who'd been involved in the case one way or another. And I mean, you could tell that this really created like some some rifts, like a real rift mm -hmm. between him and his father, because his dad really didn't understand like why he was doing this. Also, this guy was like not a journalist. Like he was just no. a regular guy. And not that you have to be one. To make a documentary, you don't. But it's just like, you are really not involved in this at all. And you're blowing up your relationship with your dad over yeah. this random case. Like, I don't know. That part was wild to me. Two, two things I feel me and Sarah both agree. If you ever, if you watch this and you're like, I want to do this to one of my parents, go to therapy. Like, therapy would help. Therapy. Because it's, don't, don't <laughs> rent the camera. Use your insurance. But also, <laughs> wasn't it like he was trying to do a documentary or like a movie about himself and his relation to the crime, but then like that wasn't picking up anything? And then he was like, Yeah, because oh, his relation is like none. He's like, oh, I none. used to have nightmares about Chester Weger. And it's like, yeah. okay. I had nightmares about Chucky and Chucky Cheeses. Yeah, like ex <laughs> exactly. It's just like, okay, this is like, you really have, it, it gives me vibes of like, this, do you remember that viral Exo Jane um, essay that was like, it happened to me. My my friend became an ISIS soldier. Oh my God. Where it's yeah. like, that didn't happen to you at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that did not, that was not the case. Oh, Exo Jane, what a deep throwback. Cut. A deep cut. Wow. Okay. But so David even went to interview Chester himself in prison during, with, during which time Chester broke down and said he'd been framed and the state had ruined his life. And 
The interview made David start downing the case himself, and so he started looking for evidence that Chester was innocent. He spent the next 10 years doing that. Holy smokes. I kept getting shocked when like, they would flash the year, and I was like, is this footage? I was like, this is footage from him? He's just been, this has been what he's been doing. Yeah. My God. I can't stick with a hobby that long. God, no. Oh my God, just walking around with a camp? No. Oh my God. We research one case a week. I'm like, this is enough. And I'm like, whoo. Yeah. Hooped. I'm like, never think about that again. Oh my no. gosh. So in the documentary, they argued that the evidence isn't really there to prove his guilt. And also some signs point to other potential people. Mm. So, I mean, they discuss a lot of things, but one of them being like, how did this lanky guy manage to overpower three women all by himself, like all at the same time? Yeah, very, like, uh, very intense. Even if the women weren't familiar with the woods area, like, it was a very confusing thing. Yeah, and then they looked at the cops who handled the investigation, Mm. Bill Dummett and Harland Warren, and apparently they had a reputation for being crooked, and they found a letter that Warren supposedly wrote while drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I'm drunk, you just find me writing letters. Like, I mean, I can barely sign a check. (laughs) The only two people I know who have done this then are him and Snooky. <laughs> Dear Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Oh, my God. So while he was drunk, he wrote this letter outlining how they would get Chester to confess using psychological warfare. Ooh. Yeesh. And it came out that Chester was kept away for 24 hours and physically punished before the confession, which is yeah. warfare, in fact. Like, that mm-hmm. is a torture tactic. Oh, or yeah. just a regular day for me, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So insomnia hits hard. I know. Uh, So Chester also alleged that he was coached during the reenactment and told what to say. And as far as that red and white plane, well, Bill Dummett was a member of the local plane club and he had knowledge of flights and who owned which plane. A member of the LPC. Yeah, the Fiat Casual. It's like the Yacht Club, but not. Truly. Um, Also, the cops took the reward money that was offered up for information for the case. Like, that's not supposed to go to you. <clears throat> yeah, they. I think they said, we're not going to use it. But it's like, where, what are you, what, what's going? Why with, did you where get it? it? Like, that's your job. Then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then this was like the weirdest thing, too. So there was this guy who was, um, this family that owned the Star Rock Lodge. I heard everybody say Spiros, but also Spiros. But I'm going to go with these people. I've never met a Greek person before because I feel like it's Spiros. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to say that much. I think it is Spiros, too. They're cool. like, We're- I got the Spiros gyro. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That it gave me those vibes. And I'm like, Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with Spiros. Um, but anyway, so this guy George Spiros, who is the son of the owner of the Star of Rock Lodge, could have been a culprit. One woman who worked at the inn said George enjoyed harassing and inducing fear in women. And that was uh her name was Deidre Fox. And then Deidre also went on to recount a time when George locked her in a cabin at the lodge with barking dogs and she feels that the dogs could have been used in the attack on the women because apparently there were dog prints in the snow. Yeah. I remember she was like the second I saw those foot, those she was like the second I saw those dog prints, I knew it was George. And I was like, what? Interesting. Yeah. So Spiros initially was looked at for the murders, but he was the one who actually sent investigators towards Chuchuk. And Chester's former public defender filed a clemency hearing request in 2005 where she cast suspicion on George. 
But two weeks later, he was found dead by suicide, and also he killed his dog. That, like, I'm like, why did we have to include that part? What? And, I mean, his family said that he killed himself because of a cancer diagnosis. He was 73. Um, And here's another person that they said could have been the killer or one of them. A guy by the name of Smokey. What is that last name? I think it's Smokey Rona. When I saw, I was like, they lost me. When the documentary cut to a woman being interviewed on Facebook Live in front of a pickup truck, and she was like, my brother's Smokey. I was like, where? I, I was like, did I land on like my my newsfeed, my Jersey newsfeed? I'm like, where are, oh, I'm still on HBO Max. Okay. My God. Um, so Smokey's sister said, uh, that before he died in 2005, he told her he was involved in the murders and Chester had nothing to do with them. This is according to Chicago Magazine. This has never been verified, but as Danny said, she did a Facebook Live about it. <laughs> she was there. <laughs> he was allegedly linked to 13 murders, but like none of this seems verified, so I don't really know. One of the theories was that one of the woman's husbands was having an affair yeah, with Francis the secretary yeah. and then got her pregnant and wanted a divorce. And hired Smokey to kill his wife, but like also his friends. And while they were on vacation somewhere like, else, like that just up. seems like a lot. I don't know. Because it was weird because they kept always saying whenever there was like a crime, they'd be like, we asked Smokey about it. And I'm like, but was, was he doing it or did they just talk to him? It didn't, none of it really, um, the, the documentary did have all these theories, but none of it really held water. And I feel that's what the second episode was all about, kind of like these things and right. just kind of like questioning like what they can do and how they could change it. I feel like nobody seems like a good, um, no. nobody seems like a great suspect for this. Like everything seems like off. Well, also because the main, I feel the main question or missing link to it is that most people I feel like do agree that this was a two person or a more than one person job because it was three victims and everything like that. So there's that element. But all we know is where we are, there's kind of what has happened in the past few years with this case, so. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Selling a little... Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. 
And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. On November 29th, 2018, he fell one vote short of parole after a split vote, and then a year later, and this was filmed, this parole hearing, a year later, he was a Granted release after 59 years in prison, one of the, uh, just because uh, I googled one of the longest prison terms uh, served. Wow. Uh, he was, re- and I think it they were saying, oh, I hate that I'm, I didn't write down the name, but um, it was after one of the main fighters against him died. So then they kind of like, he just got paroled from that. Hmm. So he was released to a Chicago mission that aids parolees with rehab. And after a 90-day delay, as the Illinois Attorney General gave an evaluation of him, he was released on February 21st, 2020. No! And if we all know, I mean, February 21st, 2020, I was thinking, oh, life is good. I'm like, oh, we we just did our live show, I think, February 21st, 2020. (laughs) And we were like, oh, my God. Or maybe it was January, January 2020. Uh, But we were like, okay, everything's happening. I feel like we were kind of like, things are fine. I don't know what's going on in China, but that's not our problem. And then, like... A month later, it was like surprise, Boom. bitch. Not even a surprise. We should have known. Not we should have we should have known. Like all the everything was there, but we 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 did not, and he did not. And then he got COVID. He lived, and now he is, uh, I guess, straight chilling. But he now has the chance of being exonerated, and that yeah. is kind of what um, I mean. We'll see. I don't know if he could be, but an Illinois attorney thinks so. Yes. So. This attorney, Andy Hale, thinks that DNA evidence might help exonerate Chester um, after he was paroled in 2020. By the way, at the age of 83, this attorney, Andy Hale, became interested in the case. um, And that's because he had represented this guy named Clive Heidelberg, who was convicted in 1970 of a murder that ended up being vacated in 2017 after he spent more than 47 years in prison. And, I mean, he died before his case could be brought back for a new trial. But basically, Hale noticed a lot of similarities between the two cases. So he moved to examine surviving evidence from the 1960 murder, the Starved Rock murders. And um, after overcoming an objection raised by the Will County State's Attorney's Office, Hale said a judge gave him permission to obtain the evidence and have it forensically examined and cataloged by a third-party firm called Microtrace. Microtrace. And, like, yeah, yeah, he was really passionate about this. Like, he he sent Chester a letter saying, like, I want to help you. Yeah, I feel like it was pretty... There were, like, a lot of similarities, maybe in, like, the police and, like, the confessions and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So then after kind of going at it with the prosecutors again, Hale um, won approval to send evidence to another lab, Bode Technology, in Virginia for DNA testing. So he said he took eight pieces of hair, or sorry, he took eight pieces of evidence, hair evidence, twine, and cigarette butts. And basically, he says, my position is if there's no Chester Weaker DNA on any of that, this conviction needs to be vacated. And this all happened in March of this year. He hopes to have the DNA test results by like May, 
which could be next month. So I mean, yeah. we might we might see. I mean, in the meantime, they're launching a podcast to re-examine oh, the case. <laughs> it's been launched, and oh, I was excellent. like, that made me go. I mean. <clears throat> And I know we are actively doing a podcast, but I am not actively a lawyer with this case. So I Facts. think it's kind of weird. Oh my God. That it's like yes. he is doing a case about that. Like, new episode dropped on Wednesday, I think. Oh my so God. He is actively Let's releasing. Get him on. Maybe. Uh, oh my and God. like doing like cases by cases. And like, I think the last episode, because I was like, should I listen to this before this? And I was like, I don't know if I need to listen to like his vacated his this his most recent attorney because he's like smoky i don't think so and i'm like okay so who what's your end game with all of that's this? so oh, funny who knows? that's kind of like when doctors are on tiktok i'm like shouldn't you be doing medical things like i ask my brother you? about that all the time because my brother's a doctor and i'm like what do you guys think about the doctors on tiktok and he's like i'm literally like in the er i don't have time to do a tiktok i mean i guess some people you know, different strokes. I know. Folks. Yeah, maybe if you're in like dermatology or something, you probably have more time. I've just heard that that's the most chill section. Uh, of it's medicine. also the one that, if I did not have insurance, the one that would have the most of my money because it's the one that I'm always like, I need to, I love to go to. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm like, you have the good, you have the good ointments. Yeah. And it's so fun. Well, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> I kind of think it could have just been like a random person passing through. This is a state mm. park. You know, yeah. like they must just get so much foot traffic. And that's it's a hard one because it's like when I read about the case before watching the documentary, I was like, oh, he did it. And then when I watched the documentary, I was like, oh, because uh, like the documentary did a really good job. I wrote because it's I felt like it was very pointedly uh, advocating for his innocence and everything like that. So I think it is a hard thing. And it did kind of was just good to examine like the political aspects of solving quote unquote solving crimes or closing cases more so yes. I should rather say and all of that so I think that was interesting and I feel like it definitely was more than one person is a hundred percent what I'm leaning towards I don't know if Chester was one of the people I well I know, that, that seems like it would be pretty crazy to be like publicly campaigning for your innocence when you did it you just I know did half the murder like what I don't know. I, I, would, I would also be like, no, you coming down with me, bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. That's like one of the things that I think about, like the Adnan Sayed case, because I really don't know if he did it. But I'm kind of like, if he did do it again, would he really be like campaigning so publicly for his exoneration? Because my also, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but if I was released from prison at the age of like 83, do you think I'd be wasting a single breath trying to like, vacate why oh I my god I, no i, I don't to, i would be care. like i'm going Catching. to like yacht week bye <laughs> yeah I, oh i'm gonna have every new soda that was invented from the 60s to today uh, that would be a bummer because they took out the cocaine actually i don't know if that was in the 60s <laughs> you'd be like He's wait like, a second this sucks this now coke sucks yeah <laughs> what's well, like no we have no uh that pasta is made of zucchini he's like the fuck am i at now <laughs> <laughs> my god that's so true yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I definitely thought the, like, I don't know. The whole documentary was, like, interesting. It's, like, Murder on Middle Beach vibes, but, like, one, even one step, like, removed from the actual crimes. You know? that one was that one, too. Yeah, yeah, that because at least he had a much more of a purpose for that documentary and everything yeah. like that. Right, it was, like, who uh, killed my one. mom? But this guy is just, like, well... 
That one also gave me like, there was like some possible things. I was like, huh, huh, huh. Versus this one, I'm just like, ooh. And it's also the unfortunate thing where it's like, this happened in the 60s. There's no evidence. Like, there's like, I was all like, oh, is there any camera evidence? No, there weren't. Like, no. Oh my God. Imagine. Yeah, no. The DNA on the, they're like, there's blood on a jacket. What type of blood is it? Who's the blood from? And also then it's a hard thing too, because they said every single, like, I think there was even like one guy who was like, uh, like a, worked for a newspaper. He's like, I touched the evidence. Like every single part, like over like 500 people have now touched this evidence. Like we can't use it for anything. So it is kind of just all a wash. You're just like, that's what you did. You just touched the evidence, tried to get a feel. Like, (laughs) just getting the sense of it. It's like Teresa Caputo touching everything. She's like, oh, I got that. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't even know what to think, but you're right. If I had gotten paroled, I'd be like, all right, bitches. Like, you know, I'm not. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I because that's my thing. I'd be like, I'm not doing a fucking documentary. I'm not talking to a lawyer. I'm going to rest. Like, so that is kind of yeah. what makes me feel like he does have a, there is a, a, a an unanswered situation with this and it could be his innocence, but it's hard. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll, we might get updates soon, but for now. I mean, you're not. Who knows? Who knows? And it was good, like, yeah, and then, like, the filming of all, like, with his family and everything like that. And then his son went to jail. It was in and out of crime law just because he was so strong. It was like, oh, God. Yeah, cycle. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Speaking of podcast cycles that we have we oh always gosh. end with the game and it, we'll see what we'll see what we got going on here so in watching this documentary i was pretty surprised by the number of legal proceedings that were shown like all these parole hearings and all the talk about the juries and the trials so i thought for today we could take a little trip over to lawland and play a game called go. law it or leave it uh and this is how <laughs> this is how it's going to work. I'm gonna okay. give one of you a question about a very obscure legal term that you will not know, and you will have an option. You can either law it and try to answer the question and tell me what it is, or you can leave it and you oh. can make the other person answer the question. Well, that's fun. Here's oh, the catch. This is, okay. When you answer a question correctly, you get one point. However, if you answer it incorrectly, you will lose one point. <gasps> if you leave it, you're not going to either gain or lose a point. But, you know, if you're not making points, you're not going to win. So mm, you're going to have to think about this. This right? is also hard because I'm always team love it on the show. So I feel like I'm going to have to lot a lot. <laughs> well, we shall find out which strategy prevails. Sarah, you're up first. Okay. And your legal term is sui generis. Hmm. You can either law it or leave it. If you law it, I will give you multiple choice. If you leave it, I'm going to give Dan multiple choices. I'm going to try it. All right, lawing it up. Here we go. (laughs) All right, here are four options for what sui generis could be. Number one, guilty by association. Mm -hmm. B, a general principle. 
C, an idea which does not fit into a wider concept, or D, a concept of tort law. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna go with tort law because I don't know what it is. That is incorrect, Sarah. You oh. have Ow. lost one point. Ah. Sui generis is a Latin expression that translates to "of its own kind." So it refers to oh. anything that is particular to itself. So the correct answer mm. was C, an idea which does not fit into a wider concept. Wait, so Damn does generous it. mean kind from Latin? I believe so. And <gasps> sui is like unique. Oh. So of its own kind, unique. Oh, I'm sui. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, as it stands, Sarah is negative one. Danny is at zero. No. <laughs> I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. This, this is, is going to be. <laughs> All right, Danny, here is your legal term. Jurisprudence. Would you like to law it or leave it? A lot. I just right, lawing it up. Here we go. A. Theoretical and philosophical study of law. B. Any of the core law modules. C. The overarching study of law. Or D. The key statutes used for each area of the law. I kind of want to go with A. That is correct, Danny. Well done. Uh, you are yes! on the board. Good job. Because prudence, word... pure. <laughs> yeah, jurisprudence derives from the Latin term jurisprudentia, oh, nope. which means the study, knowledge, or science of law. So it generally means like the philosophy of law, like the core concepts of why law exists and why it's good and, and, and like the philosophical way of thinking about law and its effects on society. Wow. Shout out to anybody listening who went to law school, because this shit is hard. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout outs to you for bearing my terrible pronunciations of these Latin terms. Yeah. Uh, apologies for that. I don't think Caesar's going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, back to you. Your term is indemnity. Would you like to law it or leave it? I feel like I should know that word. Let's that go. sounds like something Teresa Giudici says. All right, here we go, Sarah. <laughs> She's not smart enough to know that word. I'm sorry, Danny. Oh, I mean, she would be like pronouncing a word wrong. Oh, okay. She'd be saying, I'm inside. I'm indemnity right now. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, here are your options. A joint enterprise criminal conviction. Be a promise by one party to compensate another for the loss suffered as a consequence of a specific event. Hmm. Invalid consideration. Or a sentencing procedure. I'm going to go with B. That is correct, Sarah. Well yeah. done. You got it right. Hey. Back. So indemnity is a comprehensive <laughs> form of insurance compensation for damages or loss. So it's basically All one right. party agrees to pay another for potential losses that they caused. That is an indemnity. Sarah, you are back at zero. All right. He <laughs> is leading with one point. Oh, driving. <laughs> And Danny, here is your term. Fuck. Demure. Ooh. Get a lot or lot. Oh, law it. I'll law it. Okay, law it. Here we go. I know what I, I've heard demure before. I don't know what I've heard, I've heard it in that a, word. So demure. So there's oh. an extra ER at the end of demure, just so you know. Well, right. okay, George Clooney, shout out. ER. Okay. <laughs> here are your options. A an order to bring tangible evidence to court. B the proclamation of sentencing following a guilty verdict. C, a motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim. Or D, an action to recover wrongfully taking personal property. Hmm. 
I'm gonna do C. That is correct, Daddy.、Oh. Well done.、Ooh. Okay. <laughs> nice. So demurrer is when you are sued or someone brings a claim against you, and you say even if what you're alleging is true, that is not a crime. So you are failing、oh, to state a valid claim. <laughs> oh. Because like I sue you for eating candy, and you're like, even if I did eat that candy, that's not a crime. I can eat candy. Okay,、oh, that. So that is a.、Demure. I like that. That's like kind of what Elizabeth Holmes was doing. Like she was like, "Well, failing isn't a crime," and everyone's <laughs> like, "No, but you like lied so much in the process." <laughs> <laughs> fraud I, is a crime. And fraud is people, right. So but she was like, "But I didn't do fraud. I just yeah. failed to." Failed to run a company, and it's like no. <laughs> it would be someone being like, "I'm suing you for how you danced to Little Wayne." Not a crime, but what <laughs> she was be. planning before that. <laughs> All right, Daddy, you have two points. Zara, you're back at zero, but you were at negative one, so you are improving up, <laughs> upward trajectory. All right, here is your term, prima facie. Are you I'm leaving that leave one.、It? You're gonna leave it, okay, no, Danny? This goes to you. Okay. A. The original declaration of guilt. B. A temporary court order to protect someone from further damage while legal action is pending. C. An agreement between two parties to refrain from doing something. Or D. What can be presumed after the first disclosure. Prima facie. I'm torn between A and D. Ah,、uh, I'm gonna do D. That is correct, Danny.、Oh! You are just on a roll. <laughs> wow! Wow! So I guess、Latin、I'm a lawyer. For at first look or on its face, so prima, nice, facia. So at first、oh, glance, first face. So、uh, it's what can be assumed after the first disclosure of a case.、Hmm. So you could say something like at prima, a、uh, prima facia. This guy is guilty because he is covered in blood. Ah,、uh, oh,、right? that's true. Okay. So after this original statement of the of the facts, you can sort of assume something. I gotta say, Latin. Maybe my Latin stuck with me from seventh grade. Oh, we didn't know that, Danny. You studied well, Latin in seventh grade. My teacher in、uh. December, when she was twenty seven, which felt so old at the time, she went to Canada for New Year's Eve, never came back. So then we had a substitute for the rest of the school year, and he was a professional, um, like, um. Like jazz dance or not like dancer, like two step dance, something like that. So we just watched his video. So I didn't learn a lot of Latin, but I was in the classroom. Oh my gosh! I know Semper Ubi Sabubi. She got married, but like、oh, a whirlwind romance. She met a guy on the trip and got married. Then how exciting! Yikes! Professor Van Buren or Mrs. Van Buren. I don't know what her new married <laughs> name is, but shout out! Oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> Magistra Van Buren. That meant teacher, I think. Oh my god. Nice. Well, Danny,、so. you're at three points. Sarah's at zero, so you have unofficially won the game. There is one question、oh, left,、yeah. so let's、All、just、right. uh, do it just for fun. Sarah, the term is mens rea. Oh my God, that means evidence. Come on, legally blonde, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, here are your options. Boom. A、okay. the culpable state of mind. B、okay. a body of laws and legal concepts. C history of ownership that establishes the present state of a title, or D to adhere to precedents of earlier cases as source of law. Doesn't it mean evidence? <laughs> I don't think. Wait, so. legally so blind. Legally blind. She had、accurate? that whole thing. Like I don't understand. Okay, wait. Do it again. Run it again. 
Because she talks about men's state Rhea. of mind. Okay, it could be that. Olivia Coppola. Okay. B, <laughs> a body of laws and legal concepts. C, history of ownership that establishes the present state of a title. Or D, to uh-huh. adhere uh-huh. to precedents mm-hmm. of earlier cases as source of law. I'm going to go with B. That seems the most similar to the context of Legally Blonde. That is incorrect, Sarah. Fuck. What is it? The correct answer was the culpable state of mind. So mens rea is Latin for a guilty mind. So I guess it could be kind of How could they do this to me? Do you remember this scene, though, when she's like, oh, because of lack of mens rea, which is evidence, and the judge is like, I know what this means. Like, proceed. Ah! (laughs) I'm pissed. It looks like... The movie lied to you, and it lied to all of ah! us. And not to defend Legally Blonde, Sarah, but I just looked up the line, and it says, first of all, I'd like to point, there's no proof in this case, but there's a complete lack of mens rea, which by definition tells us there can be no crime without vicious will. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, it is kind of vicious will. No. is like you're in a state of mind to commit a crime. So Just had to defend Reese Witherspoon. So, Sarah, you misremembered the quote, it. and that cost you a point. <laughs> You have ended the game at negative one points, Danny at three. So, Danny, you are back on your winning ways. So, Danny oh. is a lawyer. Like, which law school so. wants to give him an honorary degree? Wait. Hello, NYU? Officially passed the unofficial bar exam. <laughs> the bar class exam. Okay, shout out. Okay, perfect. So, Danny, you are sitting at six points. Sarah, you are at four. So, Danny has gone a little bit of a lead, but... I will remind everyone that, Sarah, you started winning off the first four games of this you championship. Did. And mm. Danny has come back. It's true. Anybody's game. It's anybody's right. game. Anybody's game. Anybody's game. Well, that was fun. I know. Humbling. Was... <laughs> 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 well, I mean, it's okay. You don't need to, like, Latin, you know, it's not for everybody. Latin and laws for everybody. Facts. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, obviously, let us know your thoughts at the Facebook group, not in the True Crime group. We are going to do, now we're doing every time an episode drops, we're going to do a little thread about the episode in the case. So if you want to have any thoughts or opinions or things about that, it'll be in there. And you can also always DM not another true crime on Instagram. I'm at Cashmere Danny Cashmere with a K on Instagram. I'm at Sarah Lameem. And please buy tickets to our live show, yes! Betches.co slash NATC Live. We'll see you there on June 5th. Jorge will be there. I'll be yes. there. Right? I okay, can't good. wait. It's going to be so much fun. All right. Party. So we'll see you guys then. And we'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.